It's Sunday morning. Time for the great outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Good morning. Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host here on 4th of July weekend. I hope you have a great 4th of July. We are certainly lucky that the 4th of July wasn't three days ago or four days ago or five days ago anywhere in the upper Midwest, particularly in Illinois, or it would have been the worst we'd ever had. We've had rain, but we've never been smoked out. And we think of 4th of July and we think of barbecues and being outdoors, and certainly there's a lot of smoke around barbecues, but several weeks ago when the smoke descended on the East Coast, I did a full show on how this is the result of of a lack of management across really the whole country. But in this case, it was a lack of management in Canada, the forest, which has extended for, for just years, and years like 50, 60, 70 years. So... My show then was about, don't be surprised if this keeps happening. Now the whole country, with the exception of the Deep South and the Southwest, knows what it's like to be under smoke for a few days, and people in the West have been living it for a while. So it's, it's no fun, and, and it's going to keep happening because we have not managed our forests, and there's just an incredible amount of, of old growth, dead timber, underbrush, to burn and and when we get these huge fires uh usually you think at the end of june you get a north wind northeast wind coming down lake michigan and oh that canadian air is so clean and you can just walk outside and smell it well if you walked outside and did that right now the last few days you would choke so it's going to keep happening it may not be every year it may be every fourth year it may not be told seven or eight years from now but these are not natural fires. And as I said a few weeks ago, let's not have a discussion as to whether this is to do with climate change because it's not. It's to do with a lousy forest management practice in both countries after years of environmentalism trying to stop us from managing our forests. Which takes me to an interesting thing that the uh, United Nations did, uh, which, which I think is... Is actually and I, it's quite extraordinary and quite powerful for the long term, in a good way. And I, from time to time, have thought the United Nations is not acting in the best interests of uh, of Americans. Uh, we're Americans. We're not the UN. But in this case, um, the United Nations has done something that is going to help. And that is they are focusing on the deforestation of the Amazon. And the Amazon is entirely different from our North American forests. The Amazon is a true rainforest that in historic times, going back tens of thousands of years, did had dry periods, had wet periods, but it was never logged. And the fires maintain the forest in the dry years. Of course, the Amazon has been whacked and hacked and logged to the point where uh, there's a lot less of the Amazon than there ever has been. And that is indeed causing climates to change in Brazil and other parts potentially of South America as the, as the Amazon is the weather maker. 
for, for a lot of South America. So the U.N. said, we're not going to permit anymore the deforestation of the Amazon. And they've been taking satellite images from 1975 on through now. And companies, as of the U.N. resolution, companies that are selling products made from wood products coming from the Amazon will no longer be able to do so. There'll be sanctions against them. And the European Union, uh, among one of these groups, will soon have to prove the wares being sold in the European Union aren't causing forest loss under the new law. This is the world's toughest rule on deforestation, and it comes into force, well, it came into force two days ago, three days ago, meaning that companies have 18 months to prove the origin of seven commodities imported into the European Union that are known to drive forest loss. Cattle, cocoa, coffee, palm oil, soy, rubber, and wood. Almost 40% of the world's 500 largest companies using the seven commodities covered by the new European Union rules have not yet set a policy that will stop them from bringing making products from the Amazon that are leading to deforestation of the Amazon. There are, it's estimated there are between 35 and 50 large U.S. companies, and they include Starbucks and Kellogg's and others, that will be covered by these new rules. So if you step back for a moment, this is something you've often heard me on the air say, I certainly am not a fan of government overreach and we need common sense solutions, and we need to turn down the rhetoric a lot of times. This is something that's really overdue. It, it's no different than, than having child labor in certain areas of, the, of, of Asia and the Far East or elsewhere, making products that are sold at ridiculously cheap prices compared to labor in the United States because the labor is child labor. This is the destruction of the most important rainforest on the planet because products are being taken from that rainforest and made into goods and sold. And if they were not made into goods and sold, then those, the rainforest would not be under such threat. So this is actually a great, in my view, a great step forward. And when you look at the forest fires we have now coming out of Canada, and there'll be lots of fires later this year in the American West, it's, it's, it is the complete opposite scenario. In the United States and Canada, we have not been cutting our forests because the quote-unquote environmental groups and tree huggers, and that's just, I use that phrase as just a phrase, have stopped us from managing our forests, have shut down paper mills, and that comment about don't use another piece of paper, you know, don't fell a tree or you've got a pile of papers on your desk. Someone says, well, it took a whole forest for, to make that report. The actual, the actual truth is we need to cut down trees and we need to allow light into the understory and we need to get rid of the underbrush. 300 years ago, the buffaloes, the buffalo of North America did a lot of that for us and the Native Americans did a lot of that for us. They're not around anymore. So the Amazon is 180 degrees different from North America's forests. And the Amazon Forest management means getting out of the way and letting the rainforest do what rainforests do. 
In North America, it means we have to do what nature did for millennia before we got here. And that's why we have these terrible forest fires right now. So I'll be back in just a moment with much more on the Great Outdoors show. And when I do, I'm going to talk about what I think is a, well, in Illinois, nothing should surprise you anymore, but a, a, an, an action taken by the Department of Natural Resources, which hopefully is, is changed very quickly, but time is running out. And, uh, and I'm also going to talk about well, the fun of trying to get a campsite, Fourth of July weekend, um, with modern technology actually backfiring in a lot of cases. But I'll be back in just a moment. First, a message from our longtime sponsors, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers. This is Charlie Potter in the Outdoor Voice of Chicago in America, 720 WGN. Hiking, camping, and hunting, it's all an adventure in the great outdoors, but nature can be tough. You need to be ready for anything and everything. Chevy Silverado is built to handle the toughest conditions and get you everywhere you want to go worry-free. Silverado's designed to handle the big jobs. It's built for the great outdoors. With over 13,000 pounds of towing capacity and trailering sway control, Silverado can haul the biggest loads on the roughest roads and keep you cool as a Sunday drive. With eight available cameras and up to 14 different views, it can spot trouble before it gets to you. That's peace of mind. And when you're ready for the backcountry, Chevy Silverado 1500 ZR2 owns the off-road. You name it, we run over it. No wonder it's Motor Trend's 2023 four-wheeler pickup truck of the year. So see your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and check out a Chevy Silverado. It's freedom to explore the great outdoors. It's Charlie Potter and the great outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the great outdoors show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN radio. And thank you for joining me this 4th of July weekend, wherever you may be, whether you're in the Midwest, the deep South, out West, up North, doesn't matter. I hope you're having a great 4th and Let's hope the last of the smoke is out of here and we don't have to deal with it again this summer. But speaking of things that I mentioned before the break, nothing really surprises me uh, in Illinois, and probably that I say that a bit sarcastically, but um, the Department of Natural Resources, uh, it just isn't the same as it once was. Of course, what is the same as it once was? But I think back to the long tenure of Brent Manning when, when he was director. I even think to the tenure of Joel Brunswald, or I think of the tenure of Mark Miller, or I think of the most recent tenure of Colleen Callahan. Um, and I, I just can't believe the director of the DNR is aware of this. So maybe when this show is over, she's the direct, she will be, and and action will be taken because it's not consistent with the actions of the Department of Natural Resources in Illinois going back decades. And here's the story, very simply. In Illinois, we have an enormous waterfowl management area called Lake Carlisle Waterfowl Management Area. If it's not the largest, it's the second largest in the state. It's south of Vandalia. The lake is, I think, I'm not mistaken, some 18,000 uh, acres of water in the lake with then impoundments around it that and the impoundments were built for the purpose of of migrating waterfowl and the impoundments were paid for largely by federal and illinois state duck stamps and the lake carlisle public hunting area 
is, I believe, the most visited public hunting area in the state. It has been for decades for waterfowl hunting, and it's also, I think, arguably the single best public hunting area in the state. Year after year, it has the highest satisfaction from the point of view of harvest per hunter of birds. Um, it's just, it's an area I know extremely well, having hunted there a long time ago when I was a lot younger and I was willing to walk four or five miles with 100 pounds on my pack of decoys, back of decoys and things like that. It's a, it's, an, it's a great place. Part of the reason it's a great place is because the Department of Natural Resources, when it can in non-flood years, has managed it really well. And so if you're listening to me in Arkansas or Iowa, wherever you might be, Wisconsin, and, you're, and we're talking about public hunting, you understand the importance of the state where it can managing the land. And at Chain of Lakes State Park, Grass Lake, there is no management of land. Unfortunately, they can't manage the lake, and so much of the natural vegetation is long gone. But Lake Carlisle is a different story. They've got 35, I believe, or 3,600 acres of areas that they can manage by flooding and planting crops and moist soil plants. And they've been doing this for a long time. So here's what happened. This is a dry year in southern Illinois. They were able to get in and plant several hundred acres of corn that will be flooded in the fall that will serve as a sanctuary and attraction and food source for waterfowl. And it's, it, this whole area was built with duck stamp money and has largely been funded through the years with Illinois duck stamp money. The crop is great, and all of a sudden, word comes down from the DNR, we don't have any money in our budget to put anhydrous, which is a fertilizer, on the corn so the corn can actually grow to maturity because the money that was targeted for Lake Carlisle Waterfowl Management Area was diverted and instead spent on a bike trail in northern Illinois. Needless to say, when this hit a couple days ago, there were not several hundred, there were several thousand people who hunt ducks and geese at Lake Carlisle. And in today's world, there are no secrets. Something moves at the speed of light that were immediately upset. What do you mean? We have paid for this. Our duck stamp dollars pay for this place in large part. Our Pittman-Robertson dollars pay for its management. Our land and water conservation funds pay for it. How could you tell us you planted a crop but have no ability to actually grow the crop? That would be like building a house but forgetting to put a roof on it or actually not forgetting to put a roof on it, intentionally not putting a roof on it so it was uninhabitable. So there's very little written about this, and, and, and I hope that the story this week gets tracked down and corrected because we, we are in a period where if they do not apply the anhydrous side dressings that's needed uh, the crop will will wither, and the time is is fleeting. Every day is important. But the story that made it to me was that an individual at the Department of Natural Resources does not believe that there should be any chemicals used in a river bottom riparian area. I'm under the belief that that individual does not have the authority to make that decision. Certainly the Conservation Advisory Board, which at one point had real teeth, would have never stood for this. So 
somewhere in the Department of Natural Resources in Illinois, there's an individual who's just unilaterally decided we are not going to fertilize our food crops for waterfowl if they're in floodplains. Well, that guess what? That's where waterfowl are. They're in floodplains. They're not. They're not coming to land on top of the Willis Tower. Or they're not coming to land in the middle of Millennial Park. They're in our floodplains. We plant this food so that they have food on their migration. And you bet there's hunting that takes place at Lake Carlisle, and that's a great thing because it's made that area possible. So whether this person is anti-hunting, no comment on that from the, from, from the sources I have, or simply doesn't believe that you should be able to use chemicals in a uh, floodplain, which apparently is the truth, whatever the, way, whatever the reason, this needs to be reversed, and it needs to be reversed before practically the, the sun sets tonight, or we will lose hundreds of acres of waterfowl food crops in Lake Carlisle, which will have an impact on migratory birds coming through Illinois. It's why we plant these crops. So the DNR has for a long time recognized a important part of its funding base and its constituent group are people that hunt and fish in Illinois. And this, whether you hunt or fish in Illinois, the reality is this is an affront to you that an individual would impact other people who hunt and fish, even if you're not going to Lake Carlisle, by deciding that Lake Carlisle should no longer have, have planted crops. Because if you don't fertilize them and manage them, why plant the crop? So, Illinois, once again, I hope the director is absolutely on top of this. Now that this has been known, I very much doubt that she knew about this in advance. She loves to hunt. She is pro-hunting. She's pro-management of wildlife. And it would seem that this is a rogue decision by an individual who should not have made the decision. But that's what it is. So... I guess I'm not going to have time to talk about campsites being fully booked on the 4th of July, even if they aren't completely up to capacity, except to say we'll talk about that next week. I thank you so much for listening, and most of all, have a safe and happy 4th of July, and hope you get outdoors wherever you might be. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago in America, 720 WG.